Hi there, and welcome to Home is a Changeling, the podcast. I'm Ashley Ellsworth Keller, and I am here today with my friend Rebecca Rowland. And these podcast interviews are a way to connect with people I've known um, across my life who have experienced different different ways of um, different ways of being at home. Um, And there are a variety of reasons why I wanted to talk to Rebecca today, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But um, Rebecca, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us, um, tell us a little bit about where you are now and how you and I first know each other. Yeah. So hi, I'm Rebecca. I, um, live now in Camino Island, Washington, which is um, a little island just about an hour north of Seattle. And I've been here since 2021. It was a mid-pandemic move from a very urban house in um, Wallingford, Seattle. And uh, so now we live on um, just shy of six acres on a beaver pond and just like surrounded by nature and a a huge change um and we have loved it um so i know you since uh year 1993 (laughs) way back in the late 1900s in in high school ac floor high school in columbia south carolina um so here we both are now in washington state yeah. In 2013, like a 30 years. It's insane. 30? 30 since 1993. No. Okay. 30 years. Yeah. It's crazy. That is crazy. And the the intro one thing I think is so interesting, and I and we've talked about this since we since I've moved here and we've gotten to reconnect, but like you the high school that we went to, I, I always felt it was like the same people essentially since like elementary school for me. Um, but you sort of like just showed up at our school freshman year, like fully formed out of the blue. So tell, it was really interesting to hear, um, how this came to be. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that because it really um uh I feel like it it like checked some some boxes in my mind of about like oh now things make so much more sense about Rebecca. Yeah, so I mean it's kind of funny to think about how we arrived there because it's like kind of in the middle of the story of like all of these like weird ways we arrive different places during my life but for South Carolina in particular we had been in living in Florida for about nine months and my dad decided that was no longer the place for us so they um he they meaning he and my mom went on a little (laughs) road trip to find out where we were going to live next and they went to Arkansas and back to Georgia, where we lived in the early 80s. And um, and then he visited his niece, who was living in uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and decided he really liked it there. So we packed up and um, moved. And it was, um, I think it was the beginning of September or something. So school was already in session. 
Um, but uh, he picked where we were going to live in, in Columbia. And then um, I still remember so clearly going to the school and registering for the classes and them asking, you know, what do you like in school? And I'm like, well, I'm a good student. And they're like, okay, you know, excel classes for <laughs> everything. And um, like, okay. And uh, yeah, so it was like two weeks late. And so coming into the school, I felt like this, um, a little bit of an object of fascination, like, who is this person? Where did they come from? Um, but uh, yeah, and for me, it was like, who are these people? They say weird, their words weirdly, um, <laughs> there's weird turn phrase. And um, it was like, I lived such a sheltered life and it was like, so weird being popped out into a public school and um, the fashion, the, the terms of phrase, that everything was just so different. <laughs> so it was like, wow, I felt like everything was fascinating to me. And it was also weird to be an object of, of some fascination and like, so many questions yeah and <clears throat> and also so interesting to to hear you say like um and we'll talk I, I have questions for you but like that like all of these like pop culture things that you were like getting exposed to and and I was feeling like oh my gosh Columbia, South Carolina is so boring AC Flora High School is so boring <laughs> And you um, had sort of a different uh, mentality. So what what is this sheltered life that you are referring to? Because I thought I was pretty sheltered, but it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> well, like, um, so even though we had kind of emerged, I, I would say, like, <laughs> out of this cocoon we'd been in. Prior to Florida, in Florida, I'd still been at a private Christian school. And so our world was still very small and insulated. And, but before that, this cocoon that I'm referencing is um, life in Alaska. So we had moved there in 1989 and arrived in Florida in 1993. So for four years of my life, four pretty formative years, it was like fifth grade through eighth grade, um, we lived in Alaska and we lived in North Pole, Alaska at that. <laughs> and so it's a pretty... Um, isolated place. I went to um, private school, private Christian school for most of those years. And I went to like half of, I think, seventh grade and all of eighth grade at a at North Pole Middle School. And um, I would say that North Pole um, and probably a lot of that part of Alaska, if not most of Alaska, is like very behind <laughs> the times um, from fashion to, I think, um, a lot of pop culture stuff. Um, and just like I wasn't allowed to listen to, to um, secular music. And, um, and so there are just a lot of things that I just wasn't um, exposed to. And uh, so life felt very small. Um, and, uh, yeah, very, very small. So going to a much, much bigger school in South Carolina was like, uh, definitely the only way I can describe my freshman year was like a big, like culture shock. It was like, um, I, I, I <laughs> not quite as like, um, maybe huge as like popping someone from like the, 16th century into the 21st century but like it it was pretty 
huge for me. And I had such a hard time like relating to people and mm-hmm. um, having conversations because it really did feel like a foreign country. It was um, it was a lot of like just watching people and <laughs> kind of studying them and trying to figure out like where do I fit in to this world. And it was it was really hard freshman year mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time. Um, mutely sitting with um this one group in a uh, freshman year that hung out by the 100 building which was our administrative building and just kind of listening to them talk and like I just was so shocked at some of the conversations and things they would talk about from like sex and I'm like people are having sex and they're talking about it like for me that was just something like I don't know that's like a r-rated movie and like people would never talk about you know that kind of thing like and they're just like oh yeah (laughs) what (laughs) so I would just sit there like it was kind of like I was getting this people education while I was getting like a more traditional scholastic education Mm. (laughs) I just didn't, didn't have any sort of exposure to that stuff and I I mean and I didn't know that I didn't know that like these all these wheels were turning in your mind and I bet most of our class did not know that either um I I do recall you telling a story about um a classmate of ours like throwing a tape on the floor oh yeah and I feel like that's such so representative of like a fish out of water like oh my gosh my heart so so tell tell that yeah tell that story. so um <laughs> being the goober that I was I had a you know yellow Sony Walkman that I was so proud of and in that Walkman I was listening to the uh, Lion King soundtrack because like I, I that was Elton John that was cool like I didn't have any other like I don't know I feel like all my other tapes were like Newsboys and Amy Grant and stuff like that <laughs> Um, so that was like the tape that I listened to all the time. And, and, um, this person like asked me like, Oh, what are you listening to? And grabbed my Walkman, opened it up. And it was like Lion King and just kind of like slammed it on the ground and the tape broke. And I was just kind of shocked and he was shocked and he picked it up and he took it home with him. And the next day he brought it in, like he had replaced the actual tape, um, roller thingies inside another plastic tape and he'd written on it lion king but he spelled it l-y-i-n apostrophe <laughs> king and it made me feel not special but it made me feel so much better that and like he wasn't a truly like bad person because he had taken the time to repair a wrong mm-hmm. and um and you know like so there's no bad blood or anything like that but it was like kind of a shocking thing that, like I said, I think it shocked both of us that that happened, but then, um, made it, made it right. And he had taken the time to, to do that. And it was like, oh, you know, I'm not completely forgotten. Like he's remembers that, you know, this is something that he can write in that, in that moment. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so like, (laughs) it's so reflective of, um, both of your personalities too, because like that, that's exactly the type of thing that he would do is like do something super obnoxious and then something, something really sweet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, but it, yeah, like just like 
being discovered that that that's what you're listening to. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. I was so mortified and so embarrassed, and um, and yeah. So it was like I kind of felt in a way that that was like a deserved response. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Listening to this, but like in this, you know, it, it wasn't like all of a sudden I became like I went out and bought like the cool music because I still didn't and couldn't do that I don't even think I bought my first CD until college or something like the only CDs my family really owned were like Christmas music CDs Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um and yeah I don't even think I hadn't joined like the Columbia whatever house (laughs) right (laughs) program yet Columbia house BMG um yeah one of those well I want to back up a little bit so like you you talked about your you know you were from a religious family but mm-hmm. um i mean i was from a religious family too but yeah. you had a very particular kind of religious background that led you to like feeling very very sheltered and tell us a little bit more about what you know what was it that you came from and what, how that felt to grow up in that, in that environment? Yeah. I, I mean, like our lives kind of on and off really revolved around church and Christianity and being saved and saving others and all of that. Like, you know, from the time I can remember um, my dad had kind of gone in and out of being a missionary or a pastor or working in the church or doing that kind of thing. Um, so we had, I was born in Washington state and, um, and then um, my dad felt called to mission work. And so he decided to look into what would that would entail. And um, we just ended up in Georgia, I believe. It's hard to recall like some of those earlier moves. I don't necessarily remember them all in order, but we ended up in Georgia where they worked. My parents worked at like a Christian book distributing company or something like um, where they would box up books and send them um, around the world. Um, And we had, you know, those little Christian pamphlets that uh, the little booklets that would be like, you're going to hell or um, I don't know, they would just have those little comic stories in them. So we would have tons of those. They were like a part of like distributing those. So I would read those over and over and over again and just like fascinated by that stuff. Um, And we, so like a lot of our moves in my childhood just really revolved around um, like some of the mission work that my dad was doing. Like um, we went to Oklahoma and then we were in California where they were getting some training for overseas um, mission work. And um, so in all of these moves, it was like life was pretty small because you don't really have time to um, to get a roots and, and like a real structure of friends and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I went to first grade in Oklahoma, um, which is where my second brother Daniel was born. And I don't think he's ever even been back because there was such a short time, but, um, I remember the name of one of my teachers. I think I have my yearbook, but I don't really remember anything else. 
And then we went to, to California and then that we started overseas mission work. So my dad went um, to the Philippines um, and that's, you know, a completely foreign experience. Like it, it felt like an adventure going abroad like that. Um, but we, I think we still felt like, or I still felt not really connected. Like we weren't really like learning the language wasn't really a priority for my dad or for us. Mm. And he sent us to a private Christian school where everything was, um, I was going to say taught in English, but it wasn't even a school where you were taught. So (laughs) (laughs) okay, (laughs) we'll let you recover. (laughs) It's okay. Um, We'll be back. Some technical difficulties. (laughs) So, sorry. Oh my gosh. I don't even know what happened. Okay. So the school, (laughs) they literally, you would spend the day at a desk that had dividers so you couldn't see the student next to you oh, wow. and you would do workbooks the entire day. Um, it was like this Abeka program, which Abeka is, I think they probably still exist, but it's out of Florida. They have um, like Christian curriculum for homeschooling mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing. So it was basically like we were going to a school kind of for homeschooling, but there was no instruction and there was no like classrooms it was just all like rows of desks and the way that you would get punished like which I don't know how you can act up in that environment but I found myself being punished quite often probably because I was bored out of my mind but your your punishment was to erase the answers that other children had put in these booklets so that they could be reused so they had like a stand you would stand at and just like sit there erasing one kid got in so much trouble so often that he invented a motorized um, <laughs> eraser that would like uh, vibrate for him so he didn't have to exert as much oh force. Oh my gosh. Um, so that was um, a very interesting school experience. Yeah. Um, and then we moved to Ireland after that. So my mom moved with three young children and she was pregnant with her fourth, Mm. Um, which now as an adult, I just can't even imagine moving your whole life to another one continent and then another. Yeah. uh, It's, it's, it's crazy to think about, but in Ireland, we, and we were there for one year and we, um, moved three times so I ended up going to three different schools in one year and so again it's really hard to set down roots and create any kind of um base where you are when you are there for such a short time and even if you don't you think you're going to be there a while you still have the mentality that you like start out with which is that you know, not going to be here. So when you don't think you're going to be there a while, like it, it makes it hard for you to bother to really get to know people or set, you know, meaningful relationships. 
And like, so, you know, as a result of all of these moves, our family became our core and like, that was it. And so anything outside of the family was like superfluous and not for keeps. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, someone you see and you meet and, you know, whatever. And, but you always have your family. Mm-hmm. Our family was just kind of insulated. Um, anyway, even though we would go to church and everything, um, which I think in Ireland, my dad would just do home church, like, which was just having people over and he would just kind of lead stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember like having even the normal kind of church community because it was just so small. Like my parents had one couple friends that we would get together with every now and again, but it was just very small insulated life. Um, we'd make really friends at school. It wasn't like, we were like, Hey, let's go over to Adrian's house and, um, play. We just didn't do that. So life was just small and stayed small. And even when we came back to the States, it was kind of the same thing. We'd go to church, but, um, it just didn't really occur to us to, to me, to really try to make friends that mm. were like lasting friends so it wasn't until Alaska that um we stayed there a while it was like four years and even though um we I went to I think two different private schools which I will say when we talk about these interesting education experiences (laughs) another one of those private Christian schools was um odd in that it was like a video school so we would watch v- uh, video cassettes on VCR of like a classroom down in Florida which I think it was the same with Becca program I'm not sure but it was like someone else like a classroom of like 20-30 kids being taught by this woman and essentially kind of teaching us but the teacher would ask questions and those kids would answer and it was just like So so we would just have to sit there and stare at a TV screen all day. And then we would do the assignments that, you know, corresponded with those video cassettes. And uh, I did not love that. (laughs) It's very hard to, there's no different learning for learning styles or for like someone who might be advanced in certain things and and need more um, challenge uh, which I did, especially when it came to reading and writing and, and that kind of thing. And yeah, I was just so mind numbing. Um, but so like when I went to um, North Pole Middle School, I, um, I loved it. It was like, uh, I got to like, there was this one kid who um, was kind of my uh academic rival and <laughs> back then they would put your grades up on the wall and oh. they would and they like ranked it so I would be like it was either him or me at the top mm-hmm. and I was just like ah. and so it pushed me to go harder and it was just so like um for me it just fed me being able to uh yeah to have that you know um driving me to it pushing me to do better and that intrinsic motivation was really developed I think around (laughs) that it worked for me and um although like now I think back you know it's probably not great for the people that (laughs) have their names on the board that maybe not work towards the top 
but uh for me I, I just loved it I loved it so much <laughs> yeah well having but, having had the previous experience like you needed something to shake you out of that mm-hmm. and um I mean we in in eighth grade um our algebra uh, algebra teacher um Mr. Rush would do that. He'd pass the test back in order of the grade. So you were hoping you were, you'd be one of the last person Uh people. And like, I know there was a lot of like, you know, parents were just like, Oh, this is terrible. And it was like, well, these kids are going to high school next year. Um, and it was like, Oh my gosh, I really want to be one of the last people. And it, it made me work so hard. And I, and I loved it. And I got to be one of the last people sometimes. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like it it only probably works well for the people it works well for, which are the yeah. people who are going to be really <laughs> motivated by that. And some people are going to be um, uh, the opposite of motivated, which I can't think of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot um, of people dropped out of that class because yeah. it was it was like too much pressure. And I totally understand. (laughs) I think it takes a certain type of of person. And obviously you and I are that type of person. It's like, yeah, (laughs) I I can do better. I can make it. Yeah. I can, I can be there. Well, Um, I have another question, um, about, I, it's very important. All I, my experience, uh, I had no experience with like homeschooling or you know, that kind of education, but I have seen some curriculum. And my very important question to you is, were you taught that dinosaurs and people lived at the same time? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I, um, I like I feel like this was a topic that was concertedly avoided in much of my school education but mm-hmm. I distinctly remember and maybe this was in school I don't recall exactly where I saw this but um I recall seeing watching a video or seeing something that was showing like um basically fossils of human footprints next to fossils of like or imprints of like dinosaur footprints so it was like they lived at the same time mm-hmm. um i so i was taught yes that they coexisted but more than that i was also taught that dinosaurs never existed that and so when i asked like well what about the bones that they're finding it was like those are lies like they're just t- trying to prove evolution so those and like another story in the big bang and all of that um i don't know uh, whatever <laughs> mostly just around evolution and um that's not real and those are fake and they're just trying to sway you away from god so yeah that was mm-hmm. that was huge and it's so funny that even to this day, I have a really hard time with million year timelines because my life has been brought up on a 20,000 year timeline. And so like, there's so much mental gymnastics that 
I go through when it's like, okay, in the Bible, it says a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. So maybe, you know, when God created the earth and it was like, it's done in a week, what like is, you know, day one was actually like millions of years. And it's just distilled down to the week that the earth was created in. And so that's where my brain is like, oh, okay. So like, or like, you know, humans have been wrong about so many things. Maybe they just don't like carbon dating isn't working. And like, there is a way that all of this, you know, so my brain's trying to like justify how um, the Bible and Christianity and what I've been taught gels with science. And um, I just was reading this book called The Sixth Extinction, and it, it just talks about these like super ancient creatures and like dinosaurs and how, you know, all of that stuff. And I was just like, why is this still hard for my brain to take <laughs> well, this stuff in? <laughs> I mean, gosh, if you were a child, not only exposed to those little pamphlet thingies, but like that was yeah. part of your livelihood, like that, yeah. that is so hard to yeah. to to forget, you know, that is, I mean, I, I don't blame you at all. Like that would be really (laughs) hard. Yeah. Um, but I think I, yeah, I, it's just so funny though, like to just still like have the gut reaction towards dinosaurs be like, um, yeah, no, I'm like, wait, what am I thinking? Oh. Oh my gosh. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the pamphlets I saw, and, and there are two specific occasions. One of them, one of them was a children's book that said, like, how else can we explain that there are so many like stories about dragons? Like people mm-hmm. must have like ridden dragons and like kept them as pets. Like how could yeah. people like invent this? <laughs> And then the other one was was a pamphlet that basically said, yes, dinosaurs existed, but they went extinct because they like something like they evolved to where they could not have sex anymore. And like, that's how they went extinct. They basically couldn't procreate. Um, It wasn't, you know, a meteor or anything. (laughs) Really, I'm just like really fascinated by this this kind of stuff it is it is fascinating how oh my gosh this one huge group of animals has caused so much (laughs) of a rift in um the science versus religion debate and how um the points of views become discounted or um or justified right Mm -hmm. like how do we make this make sense? Um, and in my case, for much of my childhood, it was just like, oh, it just never happened. It's just all <laughs> one big lie. Oh, my gosh. Which is uh, interesting. Well, so I want to talk a little bit more about South Carolina. But before we move on to that, I think everybody listening is going to want to know, like, how have your beliefs changed? Like what led you to feeling differently? Um, so, do you feel gosh, differently? This is like a huge, huge question. Um, I think that so much 
a part of um, my childhood and my upbringing and being a um, person who went to church all of the time was um, being led to believe that we were better than other people, like our beliefs, our morals. Um, and like, we, we just like, we're going to heaven. Other people are not like, we are doing what God wants us to do. We're praising him. We're doing everything that we have been called to do. And, um, I think that, um, when I became more of a sentient being um, who <laughs> was uh, more autonomous and, and capable of my own thoughts and really thinking critically about um, a lot of the events that happened in my life and um, a lot of the people that I was exposed to. And it, it became harder and harder for me to justify a lot of the hypocrisy um, that I was seeing and squaring that with the word of God. And, and I think that, um, as time has gone on, um, it's been harder and harder. And I think that I've had a much harder time squaring any kind of hypocrisy with, um, Christianity. And I've really had to separate the human American Christian nationalist that we've really been seeing such a rise of in I think recent years more and more. And I feel like I also had a front seat, front row seat to, to a lot of that actually um, has, has just pushed me farther and farther away to the point where I've really been afraid to try to go to church, especially around where I live because I, um, I have a hard time keeping my mouth shut about things that I think are wrong. And, um, I just like church is not the right place for, for politics. And it's just seemed like it has become the place for so much politics. Um, at least my perception of it is. Um, and so like, I think a lot of that has really just pushed me away. It's just been, um, been that hypocrisy. And so it's been hard for me, um, to square that. Like I, you know, I wrestle a lot internally about what I believe and, um, about religion in general. And, you know, growing up, um, I was not really allowed to learn about other religions. Um, and even in college, when I had a choice to take religious studies, I was afraid to because it didn't feel like it was right mm -hmm. to learn about other religions. And I feel like there's a huge gap in my knowledge because even now I haven't read or really studied religion as this general thing because you know I wasn't even allowed to call what I had a religion like we're not religious we're Christians we are born again Christians and we have a relationship with God we are not religious mm -hmm. like so when someone would say are you religious and I would say no like religion religious is a bad word like and and everything else is religion like mine is different 
And um, so I, I do want to study more and because I think like at the surface, what I've observed is there's a lot of similarity in religions. Like when you think about Allah and God and, um, and those things, and, you know, even Judaism and its roots where it's come from in relation to, um, to, uh, sorry, in relation to, um, Christianity and, and, mm-hmm. you know, the looking for the savior and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think that there's a gap in my knowledge that I would like to, to seal and bring together yeah. <laughs> and, and learn more. But um, it, it's, it is hard sometimes to look at the world and us as people and everything that exists and just think it's like random. You know, like (laughs) it's just very hard to just imagine that all of these things came together without there being something. So again, I I weigh war with so much and it's, it's, I think hard. (laughs) Yeah. It, and I think that there are so many people in every religion and every denomination who want so badly to connect in with some of the things they learned growing up. But also want to be able to reject some of the pieces that are actually not filled with love and not filled with openness and welcoming. Um, And that can be so hard. And I think um, I uh, was not raised in a conservative um, denomination, but – and I think my denomination has – gone, I think, in the opposite direction where there's a lot of um, a lot of work being done now to be more accepting and be more open. And there's still a long way to go. But um, I took I was a religious studies minor in college. And one of my first classes, um, the professor was a Quaker and shared with us this creation story from I don't even remember what religion it was, but it was basically like, wow, this is the same creation story that we know as Christians, Uh but it was written hundreds of years before. And Mm -hmm. so to like, it didn't necessarily change my faith, but it made, or it didn't, it didn't like, um, change my faith in the way that I'm like, wow, I can't believe any of this now. It was more like, wow, we all kind of are even more connected than I thought. So maybe I identify in this way, but really like I get why you identify in this other way and it's, Mm -hmm. it's all good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So, so we have a few more minutes, but (laughs) And there's so, so much more I want to talk to you about. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to do a part two. Um, but I do want to talk about like you coming. So did you feel when you came to South Carolina as a teenager, you stayed for several years, you started college in Columbia. So like, did you feel like that was finally a place where you could sort of like build your identity and feel like, okay, this is kind of home. Yeah. I, I actually really, 
um, liked it once. Like, I think sophomore year was a big change for me because that was when I really um, started, like, the culture shock kind of had gone away. I was feeling, like, settled. Um, and I I think I had, you know, really become friends with, um, with you guys, um, you know, all the people in our little lunch group. And um, I think I started babysitting and really just started feeling like, okay, this could be it. I won't, will say that um, the threat of leaving was always still there. Like um, there was one time, I, it might've even been sophomore year where sophomore, junior year, where I, we thought we were going to be moving. And so I said goodbye to everyone at Christmas break and um, we were going to be moving and I was going to go to spring Valley. <laughs> and so I came back and uh, like, wait, I thought, I thought you were leaving. And one of the people who was my friends, not in our group, but she was like, well, it's good that you're here because you wouldn't have fit in in Spring Valley anyway. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? I was glad that I hadn't left, but um, yeah, that that was a funny, funny way of saying I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, but yeah, and then um, I'd actually thought of going to University of Washington since that was where my roots were. But I got great scholarships um, to stay in state and to go to USC full, fully without having to pay anything. So that was a huge uh, motivation. And then my parents decided to move the family up to Washington mm -hmm. after I graduated from high school. So it felt like I was going away to college without leaving all my friends behind. It was kind of like, you know, my family left. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I stayed back. Um, so it was it was great to be with um, people who I kind of considered my chosen family, um, where my you know family had uh, had gone off on the next adventure. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it it is totally the word you used about like the threat of moving. I feel like mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. such that's such a strong word because like if if that was still in the back of your head, like that mm -hmm. you're you're kind of living in fear of like, oh, yeah. yeah, this. And I think that's why, you know, so much for my family, it was just like our family was the core everywhere we went, our family was home. And at the heart of it, like, we always knew that no matter where we went, it was the six of us, you know, once it became the six of us. And um, that was just how it was. And I think what's interesting now with my family is, you know, my dad had 13 brothers and sisters and I have countless cousins, but I never knew them because our family, our nuclear family was so insular. And um, I think my siblings and I, we all kind of live around, you know, within like an hour of each other. And um, it's been interesting with us trying to override that, you know, urge to just be our own little nucleuses and mm -hmm. just making sure that our children all grow up knowing their, their cousins. Cause we just didn't. And, um, so it's been interesting because I think all of our like root instinct is to just kind of be little silos. Cause that's how, how we grew up. And, um, so now that it's just us, like we don't have our parents anymore. Um, 
it becomes even more on us to to overcome that and make sure you know because we're the we're the ones in charge now there's you know no matriarch or patriarch or anything like that so um, yeah yeah Yeah. and it i mean it sounds like it was both in some ways um a really positive healthy thing and in other ways like kept you from I don't know, like, like you said, kept you from getting to know the rest of your family or kept you from, um, it, it sounds like it can, it's a lot of things at once. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, also, I think it just, um, became a way of building outside relationships in, uh, meaning that it's hard to assign permanence to them. Mm -hmm. So my friends that I have here, in the Seattle area now, I'm always like, I marvel. So I'm like, oh, I've had that friend since 2013. <laughs> Even though I've been back in Seattle now since like 2020 or 2002, it, it, you know, there were relationships that I just don't have anymore. And, you know, you just kind of move on. But it's like so remarkable to me, like even having known you and our other friends, you know, 30 years, that's like amazing. Like, and, but I didn't really keep any of my college friends and I don't, didn't keep in touch with them. And I didn't build that same permanence to those relationships. And so, and I think it's down to Mary, um, who I think has been like a really great person for keeping in touch with people, for keeping a lot of those relationships um, alive. And it's just not my strong suit. And it's something that I very much have to work at. And, um, and the priority is family and then everything else. And any, any friend that is like, not great if I don't reach out for a month or something. And it's just like, oh, I'm not friends with them anymore. It's like, Lord, just not. <laughs> it just doesn't, life doesn't work like that, at least not for me. But I admire yeah. people who um, have friends from, you know, different walks of life and millions and millions of friends. And I just don't have the capacity to carry on so many relationships. And I find it fascinating. Um, the, the people who are really great at that. Yeah. It's, uh, and I, I feel like I'm one of those people that I really value friends from different parts of my life and not that you don't, but right. <laughs> I, I also like, I, I'm one of those people who, who like gets very hurt if, you know, if there was someone I was close to and then I don't hear from them from a long time. And like, it doesn't mean I don't consider it that we're not friends anymore, mm-hmm. but I'm also like, you're on my mind. Like, am I not? It's like, am I not on your mind? Like, but, but I, I mean, there are times when I'm the same way. Like I don't reach out to people for a month because I've got a family and a job and, um, so I'm, I'm learning to be less sensitive about (laughs) that kind of thing and knowing that like, there's some people who I still consider such close friends who I love and I might not talk to them for two years, but yeah. When I then see you them. Just slide back in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's so magical when yeah. you know that those people exist and nothing is going to disrupt that. Yeah. It, it is. And also when you're an adult and can just like 
accept that like you and your friends are not the same people and you can have different interests and belief and yep. still love each other no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very true. Especially when um, like, you know, for me, I've got a 22 year old and some of my friends like you have still a young at home. <laughs> and, like, you know, we don't live the same life right now, but yeah. you'll, you'll be there again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 10 years or something. Yeah. Well, what I think I would like to do is maybe um, if you're interested, save some more questions for a follow-up because yeah, I, think that'd be fun. I really, um, I do have a lot more questions. Um, I do want to end on a lighthearted note. <laughs> so I, I brought our senior yearbook. And obviously, like, this is a recording, so, like, people can't see pictures. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll put some pictures. In, oh, if... there you go. <laughs> but oh um, in, the, in the yearbook are some just, like, really nice um, messages from our classmates. Um, and I just, if, if it's okay with you, I would love to read the message you wrote to me. Oh Lord. And, um, and just for our audience, Rebecca has not seen this in nope. 30, 30, almost 30 years. Oh, yeah, 20, years. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. And I haven't even like dug out my yearbooks in a while. I'll have to do that. And... Okay. But, oh gosh. Oh gosh. Okay. So, oh, by the way, um, your, your message is right next to, um, someone else a certain baseball player that we've discussed in the past frankie blue eyes (laughs) so i thought that was funny when i saw that um uh i'll read that one to you too but not in the recording so (laughs) yours starts off ashley but you spell it a-s-h-l-y ashley did I mean that jokingly? Oh God! Okay. <laughs> Ashley, we made it. Graduation is just around the corner. We we survived four years of Dr. Scott, which is a great accomplishment in itself. That was our principal. I don't know why. That's, oh, I thought so. <laughs> I don't know why that's a great accomplishment, but. <laughs> Like, she wasn't horrible. No, she was fine. <laughs> Love it that she leaves when we did. <laughs> I guess I was really offended by her. <laughs> Thanks for entertaining me with Weezer and Mighty Ducks stories. <laughs> Have a great time at college next year, etc. <laughs> Just kidding about your name, Ashley. And then you spell oh. it correctly. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Your other Elijah Wood loving Macaulay Culkin hating bud Rebecca oh. Rowland. <laughs> there God. is so much to unpack in there, and we don't. Have... I don't remember having any feelings about Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Poor guy. No, there. I mean, <clears throat> the other, the other bud. Um, and I had really strong feelings about not liking Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> and that was, it, there's a great movie. I still think it's a great movie 
called The Good Son. Oh, and, yes. and it has... Oh, yeah, they're in it together. Yep. Right. Yep. And Macaulay yes. Culkin is yes, evil. He's the evil one. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's why. <laughs> so that's, that that's that kind a of good movie. <laughs> I still remember that crucial moment when she's got her hands on each one and has to decide who saved. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. You just gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> I love that oh, movie. Gosh. I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. I'll have to like watch it and see if it holds up. Number one and number two, if like um, Joe or Audrey would enjoy it. I doubt they <laughs> either one have seen it. I'm pretty sure there's they pick they have a little picture of the the other son, um, uh-huh. and I'm pretty sure that's like Kieran Culkin as a baby, like <clears throat> oh funny Which that they like, look so much alike yeah funny that looks. like he's like a bigger star now but yeah um anyway Joe and I were watching um uh Je- celebrity jeopardy and Macaulay Culkin was on there and he was going by Mac mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which we found um amusing but anyway yeah Thank you for sharing that with me <laughs> yeah, um, thanks for being Dr. Well- Scott I, I hope he's um enjoying life wherever she is yeah no no hard feelings I don't know why we (laughs) I know there must have been some reason well Rebecca thank you so much for chatting with me and we will definitely do it again for our listeners um You can listen to this in uh, your web browser. You can also download the Substack app and listen to it in there. You can uh, download the podcast. I I don't know. I get these podcasts to myself in my Apple podcast app. So you can listen to it. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, So different ways to listen. And and thank you all so much. And thank you, Rebecca. Yay. Thank you for so much for having me. This was a blast and I can't wait till part two. Awesome. Great. Recording stopped. Um, I just thought of...